Hello and welcome back to English Link for another podcast from sunny Vancouver. It sure is sunny. Hello. It's wonderful. It's what, 25 to 30 degrees centigrade? Yeah, today it's the warmest yeah. day of the year for sure. It could end up being the warmest day of the year, period. Well, <laughs> it can. I mean, I, I, I here in Vancouver, between May and September, you get three glorious months and two bad months. And right. it can literally be any month, Yeah, it seems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I can remember 1st of July, terrible conditions. Mm-hmm. I guess August is normally the best month. Yeah. I think so. In general, mid-July to mid-August is right. the most uh, and guaranteed you know, weather. And the weather is so warm, and yet here we are, sort of the Canadian sporting event of the year, the Stanley Cup playoffs, although both of the teams are in the United States. Mm-hmm. But there's more interest in Canada than there is in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's exciting to watch. It's, mm-hmm. It takes forever. I guess they have to make enough money to pay all these high salaries to people, so they drag the season out for... I mean, it is ridiculous to be playing hockey in June. It is ridiculous uh, uh, to be playing. They, in fact, in the, the, I guess the owners make all their money in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they have their budgets set so that the players' salaries are all paid mm-hmm. by the end of the year. And if the teams do well in the playoffs, the owners make money. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, and the players want to be paid a lot of money, and the owners, therefore, need to make that money. So mm. they have, as you say, a, a, a lot of games they play over the course of the season. So by the time the playoffs start in mid-April, uh, and the playoffs go on for a long time. Right. So you have to kind of close the curtains, uh, shut out the sunlight, and turn on the air conditioning if you have it. That's right. And pretend it's uh, winter. <laughs> But uh, there's been some exciting games, and it's interesting to see sometimes that the uh, some of the sort of m- m- unsung heroes or the journeyman players, mm-hmm. players who have been around a long time, who don't get a lot of publicity, have been producing. Mm-hmm. And some of the younger players that don't get a lot of publicity. And the big stars have also been producing, but mm-hmm. they haven't been as dominant. It's, no. it's fun to see some of these other players really come through, mm-hmm. like Maxime Talbot last night. Right. Was was outstanding. He was definitely the best player there. And he mm-hmm. probably earns one-tenth, <laughs> maybe not one-tenth, but a third of what uh, Crosby and Malkin yeah, and, but, and these uh, people made. You know, it's a team game, and on any given night, uh, anyone can be the hero. And, sure. And especially in the uh, playoffs when the other team's best defensive players are concentrating on mm-hmm. stopping the, other, the opposition's best offensive players. Uh, very often it's... Uh, someone else who kind of sneaks through and finds a little open mm-hmm. open ice because it gets pretty pretty tight checking out there mm-hmm. there's not a lot there's a lot more opportunity to do good things offensively during the season than during the right. playoffs where everybody's trying that much harder yeah um for sure but it's to my to me it's the most exciting game i know for most people in the world Soccer is the number one game, but right. for us, hockey is the most exciting game. And and I think in certain countries in the world, like uh, Sweden, well, in Sweden, Finland, Czech, Czech Republic, Russia, mm-hmm. uh, certain areas of the United States, uh, this is the biggest game. Latvia is another country where Switzerland it's big. is quite popular too. Switzerland, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a phenomenal game and a very mm-hmm. international game. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly the teams in the finals, you've got players from every country. Mm-hmm. Sweden, Finland, Czechs, Russians, Canadians, Americans. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I've left some out. Right. And, uh, you know, just to digress to language learning for a second, all those players speak English and speak English well. Mm-hmm. And I always find it annoying when people say that language learning is a matter of aptitude. 
I just don't believe that. There are all kinds of figures. I was listening in Russian to the story of a famous uh, Polish queen who was actually Hungarian and who was, uh, you know, made a saint by Pope John Paul some while ago. Uh, but she spoke four languages. And the people in the courts of Europe spoke four or five languages. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that just those people who were born in the courts of Europe had a natural aptitude for language learning. Well, and as you often point out, I mean, uh, everyone in Sweden basically speaks English. Right. And they had on, during the hockey game last night, they had uh, Don Cherry, who's the (laughs) Canadian cultural icon, who does the... uh, Who's got a segment between periods during during, uh, the hockey games on Hockey Night in Canada, which is the uh, broadcaster of, of, of hockey games. Uh, anyway, he every every year at this time he introduces the top five or six or whatever it is uh, prospects that are coming up. The top uh, I think it was the top six most highly ranked prospects in the upcoming entry draft, and um, of the there of the six, one was from Sweden. I can't remember his name, Victor Hedman or something like that. At any rate, uh, you know, the other four guys are Canadian and they're, they do their thing. Say, you know, I'm so-and-so, I played here, I was coached by so-and-so, my favorite player is uh, whoever. And then the Swedish guy goes, and that's unbelievable. Like, he's a, whatever, he is 16, 17-year-old Swede, and he would just, no problem, on national right. TV, in fluent English. And I don't believe that he's all the Swedes in all his life. have a special gene... <laughs> <laughs> that makes them good language learners. Right. I don't believe in this aptitude thing. No. Uh, people in the United States, because they speak English and they consider English is good enough, and in Canada, mm-hmm. Anglophone Canadians are no better. No better. No, no. better. Uh, don't learn language as well. Right. And uh, in smaller countries or in certain circumstances, I mean, in Russia, uh, in the 19th century, the aristocracy all spoke French. Right. And Russian. Mm-hmm. And possibly German and English. Right. And it was normal. And yeah. it was no big deal. And they all did it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they had any special aptitude that no. somehow other populations don't have. So it's fun to see those international, those players, mm-hmm. how they all get along. I mean, they're all part of the team. Mm-hmm. They're all, it doesn't matter where they're from. Uh, it's kind of fun to see mm-hmm. that. Well, and we've, uh, we, we've I'm, I'm, many of you may have heard this theme before, but we've talked about, uh, you know, university professors who... Uh, uh, foreign university professors here, for example, who don't speak English very well, no. and have, may probably worked here for twenty years, and that's no. uh, whereas uh, these hockey players come over, and uh, no. if they don't speak English when they get here, they pick it up pretty quickly. And, no. and uh, now you, you could know. say it's opportunity, but it's also attitude. Mm-hmm. It's also attitude. It's that. But and, you know, I was watching. We were both watching an interview with uh, with uh, President Obama of the United States. Mm-hmm. First interview with French television. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's not reasonable to expect the President of the United States to speak a foreign language, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. I guess. But we expect that the President of, or Chancellor of Germany, or the Prime Minister of France, or all these other people can speak at least one other language. I, ga- I gather Chancellor Merkel can speak Russian mm-hmm. as well as English. Uh, it would be nice if the President of the United States could speak Spanish or French or Chinese or some other language. Well, I have a call into him. Uh, <laughs> get him on link. Get him on link. I, I know a way he can he can do it. Right. Uh, it needn't cost a lot of money because he doesn't have the funds. Him and, and 100,000 of his closest friends will right. put them on for a right. discount. 
But you know, it's interesting. Mr. Uh, Mr. Obama was saying that, uh, that he said the United States is one of the largest Muslim countries in the world. You know, I heard that and I kind of thought, But we, we checked is, it up on yeah. Figo. That's what he said. Like, so is there a million, are there a million and a half Muslims in the United States? Maybe. I know. Maybe. So let's compare that. Like one of the largest Muslim countries in the world. Uh, I mean, I I mean Russia is the largest country by area. Right. It has, I don't know, 20 million Muslims. Right. So how about France? It's probably 10% Muslim. Yeah. Uh, that's so without that's going to the real Muslim countries. Like, well, India is the largest by population. Right. Indonesia, Pakistan, Pakistan, Egypt. Bangladesh. <laughs> Bangladesh. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. I 60, know. 70, 80 million people. What's he talking I have about? No idea. Even What's those, uh, even uh, China, mean, France, and Britain have more Muslims than I uh, know. Than the U.S. Uh, that was a strange thing to say. I mean, I can understand trying to curry favor with the Muslims. <laughs> I guess that's what he's after. <laughs> not that I think it's going to do much good, but I mean, well, that's just simply not true. No, it's just. Uh, but it's amazing the sort of ignorance. Uh, you know, I have to mention when we're talking about ignorance. Uh, I listen to my Russian uh, radio station, Echo Moskvi, and there are two things there that are quite interesting. One is the Russians, the Russian government has appointed a committee, and the title of the committee is Committee to Investigate the Falsification of History, Falsification of History that is Damaging to the Interests of Russia. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the committee. It's right. not a committee on history. Let's right. see what's out there. Yeah. Uh, not a committee to exchange information with other countries. Not a committee for objectivity mm-hmm. in in history. It's a committee to identify the falsification of history that is harmful to the to the interests of the Russian state. Right now, what is that? That is purely how are we going to rewrite history? Anyway, but but uh, that takes place here. All the the uh, uh, do-gooder left-wing types trying to rewrite the history and and paint uh, okay, but, uh, the west as a, as a demon or downplay our role in any uh you know what i don't mind wars or there could be 10 different textbooks and they say different things and maybe they're largely influenced one way or another i prefer that to the state saying we will police it so that nothing is written that is harmful to the interests of the state. In other words, either you're pushing for objectivity or you're pushing for, and what I would most like to see, a variety of points of view. Yeah, but I guess there are there, you don't get a variety. That's my point. There is no variety. Right. All the teachers come from the same teachers' colleges, from the same unions right. where there's one way of thinking. This right. Is, this is how it is and this is how the textbooks have okay, to Okay, but let's see. We've been on that thing before. But uh, let's look at the other perspective, which is what happens in Russia. So I was listening to a radio interview with this lady who is from the Duma, which is the Russian parliament. And she is the deputy leader of the second largest fraction, which is basically supports Putin, but it's some kind of a mixture of nationalists and communists. And it's called the Just Russia Party. And the issue is that in Portugal, there was a Russian woman who had a child and couldn't look after the child. So the child was raised by this Portuguese family who were sort of guardians, and raised the child for six years in Portugal. And then the mother wanted the child back. And so the Portuguese court ruled that the mother should have the child back because the child, in fact, was not put up for adoption 
by this Portuguese family. Mm-hmm. The Portuguese family was just looking after it. So then the, this girl goes back to Russia, and there was some question about whether the mother was a suitable mother and blah, blah, blah. So there's lots of discussion about pros and cons. Should, the, should a child always go to the natural mother and so forth and so on? But what was very interesting was this woman, who is typical of the attitude that, that seems to come out of the Russian Duma and the governing circles in Russia, one of her main points was, uh, you know, Americans come to Russia and adopt children. And apparently there's been like 55,000 Russian children adopted by mm-hmm. American families. Right. And she says they go around the world adopting families. Adopting children. Excuse me, adopting children. What is their purpose? Are they trying to recruit soldiers for their upcoming wars? That was her comment. <laughs> I mean, you know, to to attribute. Now, the fact that, that the Canadians and the Irish and the Australians and the Swedes all adopt internationally mm-hmm. to a similar extent as I the mean, Americans. You think the, the, the bigger issue would be why are there so many Russian kids up for adoption? Well, that's a, and they talked about, they recognize there are lots of social problems in Russia. But to attribute these kinds of motives, I mean, the Americans have to be pretty, pretty long-term thinking <laughs> to be planning now for the army 20 years from now and of course they're not the only ones who do this and right. yeah it's a whole it's a whole social issue i mean i can see if 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 uh, if, we, if canada were a poor country and let's say for this you know japan or china were rich and every year there's thousands of canadian kids mm-hmm. that are put up for adoption and taken elsewhere to mm-hmm. be raised there when right. our population is declining i would mm-hmm. not be very happy with that situation mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily assume that it's because the Japanese want to fill their armed forces with Canadian children. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what people come up with. Yeah. It's amazing. For sure. Yeah. But getting back to to Barack Obama, um, yeah, he's a sophisticated guy. Uh, If he did an interview, if he could do an interview in French... Or in Spanish. Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess, I mean, I mean Spanish would be of more uh, use relevance, to him, yeah. relevance in the, in the States. Uh, French, yeah, I mean, well, why not really? Yeah, why not necessarily French. French, no, no. Uh, unless out of interest. Right. Um, we don't really care what language he learns as mm-hmm. long as he does it on Link and tells too. everybody. That too. But, but I think it alters your perspective, just even knowing one other language. I, I shouldn't, I don't want to get, you know, carried away with this thing, but... It shows that you've made an effort to try to learn a little bit about another culture, and and so that yeah, and I, I don't know, I don't know. No? I mean, some people like learning languages, some people don't. Right. Why Maybe does you're it, right. uh, it? I don't think it has any bearing on whether okay. you're a good, uh, you'd make a good president or not. I'm sure there's lots of people that speak many languages that you wouldn't want as president. Uh, this is true. You okay. wouldn't want me, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> So what do you think of the economic crisis then? Do you think we're starting to see a few more positive indicators? Seems to be. The stock markets seem to have uh, recovered much of, of mm-hmm. the, what they lost, yep. which is uh, an encouraging sign. I think, I believe that the stock market's a leading indicator. The stock market tends to re- recover before mm-hmm. uh, the, the economy. It's, it People, tends it to be. It tends to be a predictor. It tends to... to uh, to uh, drop, it tends to precede uh, recessions, and it tends to uh, signal uh, re- recoveries. So, um, well, I mean, it's it, to me, it's interesting. You have those indicators or those economic statistics which tell us what has happened. Mm-hmm. And so, we've seen, for example, the sale of of existing homes in the United States mm-hmm. rose by some tremendous number, the largest year-to-year increase mm-hmm. from May of last two thousand and eight to May of two thousand and nine was the largest year-to-year increase in like. 
10 years or something. So that's a very significant number. Yeah. Uh, Certainly the stock market indicates people's attitudes, anticipations. Right. Then there was the Conference Board of Canada, which is a leading economic think tank, did a survey which showed that Canadians are more optimistic about the future now than they have been in a long, I can for years. Mm-hmm. So that's again, shows the mood. Right. And, and of course, it's the mood that drives all it's this It's the stuff. mood that drives it all because, I mean, I saw another statistic that said that uh, I think the number of uh, foreclosures in the States or something had gone up, in fact, mm-hmm. recently. Um, was the highest on record or a big jump. I can't remember exactly the statistic, but it was a statistic that a year ago would have uh, caused people to uh, panic or at least uh, caused a negative uh, reaction. Right. And uh, it seems to have just kind of gone by. And, well, and the, 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 the general sentiment is seems to be on the positive these well, days. Well, there's several things there. First of all, some of those bad debts and people who can't afford to live in their homes and that they got to be cleared out somehow mm-hmm. so i don't fully understand maybe getting all of those foreclosures out of the way is is a good thing i don't right. know uh obviously the fact that people are buying more homes m- might be because the homes are so cheap mm-hmm. so somebody took a tremendous beating on those homes right uh but again as you say it's mostly the sentiment that we're worried about right i mean there are always people making money every time someone's losing money someone else is making money so well, whether right. uh, you know all those people that uh, took a bath on the uh, mortgage, uh, whether they invested in those mortgage-backed securities or or had to foreclose on their mortgage, I mean they lost money, but someone else made that right. money. Well, someone's going to walk in there. Someone so, who was prudent with their money is going right. to walk in there and buy the house at sixty uh, percent of the value. Exactly. So I guess, but but my point is that it's not like that money's disappearing and and nobody's earning any money. Some people are. Throughout the crisis, some people were making money, right? But it was more the sentiment that people thought, "Oh, oh, right." But I mean, the yeah. But if tank. the overall the value of people's homes declines, mm-hmm. and overall the value of stocks on the stock market declines, right. then people have less money. Right. Their net worth declines for sure, and therefore they say, "I don't have as much money as I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to Hawaii. I'm not going to buy a car. I'm not going to buy this and that." Right. And it all tends to spiral down. That's true. Yeah. And so it's when people start feeling more positive, they buy stuff, mm-hmm. and then, then people start getting employed. And I think just to see that the, the increase in the number of unemployed is declining. Mm-hmm. So whereas it's a 7, whatever, well, you know, like a 10% increase in unemployment, right. then it's an 8% increase. It's still an increase, yeah. but it's less of an increase than the previous month. So right. that comes up as a positive indicator. <laughs> right. you know? But, uh, yeah. Well, people have to start spending money and helping to turn the economy around because someone has to pay for all the money the governments are forking out. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> that's I mean, if we... Different. Well, it's going to be with the amount of money they're spending. <laughs> if we have uh, sustained low growth, then the burden, the deficit burden is going to be horrendous. I know. I mean, to me, it, I just don't... Uh, I don't... Uh, I, don't I think I don't it's know. wrong, all this uh, yeah. money they're forking out. To, but maybe, know, first of all, they may not spend it all. Right. And uh, perhaps the feeling was that they had to you know, appear to be doing something, that right. this was all part of getting people to feel mm-hmm. a little more confident about the future. Right. And, but I mean, I guess if, if things turn around here and, and uh, the, the positive momentum continues, maybe they'll come mm-hmm. out uh, smelling like a rose. Right. But we'll, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. But it's sure an awful lot of money. Especially for this General Motors and, uh, yeah. buyout. And in Canada, and the in same, Canada on a per capita basis. Yeah. It's the same. Whereas the forest industry that I'm interested in uh, continue. I mean, far more people out of work. Right. Nothing. No help for them. Well, that's the thing. The, the worst. The, the thing that I, I uh, that 
bugs me the most, I guess, about these handouts is that, uh, you know, wh- why why are you handpicking industries to support right. and letting others fail? That that, that you're taking right. money from some industries and giving it to others. I mean, right. that's just not right. No. Either you give money to all industries, which would should take the mm. form of a tax In- cut, including or Link, including Link, right? Or uh, don't give me. You can't. You can't handpick. It's just not right. But I mean, that's what governments do. They're buying yes. votes. That's unfortunately the case. Yeah. Anyhow, I think there that's it is. That's our run us. for the day. We yep. do appreciate any feedback. We don't get a lot. <laughs> if, if, if we'd like some arguments, get some people to phone in and or tell us we're stupid. We can take it. <laughs> don't just turn us off. Yeah. Tell us we're stupid and tell us why. <laughs> don't, tell us something we don't know. <laughs> okay, we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now.